0: Welcome to the Everyday Fitness and Wellbeing podcast. In this episode, I speak to Who's Your Glamour, aka Beck George, about being an MMA mum, grandma, and her positive mindset towards coping with disability. In this conversation, Beck shares her story of coping with hemihypertrophy and later discovering she has a rare condition known as EDS. We delve into her unique gym and nutrition strategy to complement her plastic surgery, weight loss surgery, and live life approach towards her disability, plus tales of a a mother and a coach to a young MMA fighter. She's straight talking, so there's the odd F-bomb towards the end, and do excuse a few technical hiccups with the audio. Uh, however, I think you'll be inspired, or at least have a pause for thought along the way. Hope you enjoy. Let's go. Excellent. So, Bex, hi. Thanks for doing this.
1: No worries. Thank
0: you for having me. No, I re- really appreciate it. Now, the the reason I, the reason I wanted to speak to you is because I haven't spoken to you in a while. But I thought by doing this podcast, I could share some of your experience. I mean, for one, your experience as a MMA mum. Sure being the mother of a very talented uh, young man Jake who I had the you know I had the pleasure of training in some of those early days along with yourself and also your experience with your disability and condition and getting getting refusing to take no for an answer and kicking it into touch and uh, being stubborn and determined or whatever let's hear a little bit more about your story so Melbourne and yeah
1: I was brought up in Melbourne the the kids and I then lived on the coast um, of Victoria for about eight years before moving here Um, and I hadn't had a diagnosis of anything back then however there had been issues I'd had MRIs that had shown up some lesions on my brain but weren't enough to be MS and then uh, they said they could basically didn't know what was wrong for a long, 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 long time.
0: So if so, I pause you there, when was this? Was this at this, the birth of one of the children, or?
1: Well, I, I don't know what triggered it. I was born with what's called hemihypertrophy, so my whole left side is, you know, smaller than my right anyway. So, you know, it, there was always going to be a strain on joints, etc. Um, But I'd been experiencing, look, I can remember way back in my teenage years, extreme fatigue that was abnormal fatigue, Mm -hmm. Um, joint pain. However, I was a gymnast for many years, so, you know, I could always attribute it to something different. Um, And I'd always worked full time and I was a single parent and, you know, there's a number of things that you can put fatigue down to.
2: Yeah,
1: sure. So we sort of went through this process um and sort of fast forward to to moving here I'd sort of just got on with it however I started dislocating or subluxing which is you know not a full dislocation mm. um and my GP had sent me to I cannot tell you how many specialists I'd been to that still couldn't come up or anything or piece the dots together and then they said you've got rheumatoid arthritis And I was lucky my GP was a bit switched on, and he said, well, that hasn't come up on a blood test because that's a standard test for rheumatoid. Right. Um, I had all the symptoms, um, so he said, I'm not happy with that. sent me to a rheumatologist at Norwich and Norfolk Hospital. Yeah. And she did this whole range of tests called a Baton score, which is a bendy test, I call it. So they make you pull your fingers back and bend over and how far you can bend. And at that stage... Um, I was a nine out of a nine for a Baton score. Right. And she said to me um, that you have hypermobility, which was later changed to Ellis Danlos syndrome. Now, the easiest way to explain what Ellis Danlos syndrome alone is, is it's a connective tissue disorder. And what it does is your body produces faulty collagen, which, of course, collagen is the glue to your body. So it affects every organ every joint all your muscles so if you have lax collagen um for example that's what causes obviously dislocations because it's not holding your muscles yeah. they're not building properly holding them in place mm-hmm. um i will slowly go blind i think um every year my eyesight gets worse because your eyes are covered in collagen Every organ, you know, is made up of collagen in some way, shape or form. So it affects every part of your body from your nervous system to your digestive system. Um, And it's not a question of we'll just take collagen because what someone with EDS does is if you take a collagen supplement, the body just converts it to more faulty collagen. So it's degenerative um, and often comes with a string of other things. So for me, I also have osteoarthritis in most of my body. Um, And I have fibromyalgia, which causes more pain than anything else. But um, that's very common for EDSs to have it. So just
0: just for the listeners, um, there's a lot there, which is uh, I remember when I first met you, in fact, that um, certainly the joint laxity that you were talking about. uh, We we really had to be careful uh, with some of the movements. But the full title of ED. uh, Yeah,
1: it's. Ellis danlos Syndrome.
0: Yeah. And so you, you feel that you were born, just scrolling back again, even while you were a gymnast, you just felt you were... What what was the... How old were you when you were doing g- gymnastics?
1: I started at two and a half, and I finished quite sort of into my late teens. Right. So being flexible was great back then, you mm, know. Indeed. Being hypermobile was a bonus. <laughs> you know? and, and still at 46, I can still do the splits and stuff like that. So... You know, that was great then. However, um, what it forces you to do is overextend your joints. Yeah. Um, which causes the problems. But you don't obviously realise this at the time. It's not until, you know, later down the line that you realise that being flexible is not actually a great thing to be.
0: Double edged you know. sword, yeah. yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So sorry to inter- have interrupted you there. So you'd said that you'd um, had some good help from the Norfolk and Norwich Hospital and I did. and uh, they changed the diagnosis
1: they, did. they and,
0: did and from there on this time frame wise this was
1: 4 years ago my diagnosis was it was actually 4 years ago round about now
0: okay right after all this time so uh, yeah took that long <laughs> and from then on what happened what
1: um, it's been an up and down process i'm not going to lie they do say that people take a lot of time to grieve about you know, what you are going to be able to do and what you aren't. And my my prognosis was long-term that I would end up in a wheelchair and I just really rebutted that. That's not happening for me anytime soon. I I am really quite adamant about my health in terms of my physicality and what I can do and what I can't do.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I'm a bit of a ball breaker when it comes to, excuses about what people can and can't do i'm also you know, <laughs>
0: I'm,
1: I'm, 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 I'm i know look the, I, I know other people who are a lot further down the line than i am okay um and who legitimately can't do a lot for themselves yeah however they are also people like me who don't believe in the always me stuff mm. so mm. i think that mental health And grieving for what you, your body just, your your body isn't the same, but it did take me three years. I did really um, fight it, the fact that I wasn't very well. Um, And I did have periods of time in the beginning where I was bedridden for three months at one stage. Um, It has a huge impact on your relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are the things that people don't talk about when you have a disability, especially when you have an invisible disability, because... I look fine, Yeah. you know, I look 100% fine on the outside. But I then sort of, I have a rheumatologist now in London, where we now live, um, and I also have an um, orthopedic surgeon down here as well that I deal with because um, I'm probably going to have to have a hip replacement soon. Um, that's just wear and tear and that is what it is. But for me, the way that I deal with it is exercise and becoming a weightlifter really that was my way of a keeping my muscles strong as Mm -hmm. strong as it can be and it's quite frustrating because it takes double the time triple the time to build muscle that a normal person does (laughs) Um, but I'm too stubborn to end up uh, you know in a wheelchair before I have to that's my personal view on it you know so I think positivity and focusing on what what you can do rather than what you can't do um, is more beneficial for me because we have quite a frenetic life, as you know. Mm. So I don't really, and I can't afford the luxury to not be busy all the time. So being positive is a huge, huge thing. I don't care what anyone says. Your head state is, you know, Mm. is really half of the battle. It's half of the battle.
0: That's... that's, uh that's fantastic, the making the most of life and staying positive. Uh, I think
1: so. Look, my I've always said this and I've said this to you know my kids, my boyfriend, everything, is that I'm in pain every day anyway. So mm. whether I do something or whether I don't do something, mm. I'm going to be in pain. So for me, having an experience and being in pain is better than watching TV at home. Mm. I'm not very good at I'm kind of the person that goes and goes and goes and then might crash for a day rather than pacing myself. Mm. Um, But everybody deals with this completely differently. Sure. But, like I said, I'm in pain anyway. So, you know, I'm not going to let that particular pain stop me. I'm not very good with the pain drugs, the ones that they gave me. Right. So I take, um, you know, supplements and stuff, codeine when I have to, only when I have to,
0: And sort of just grin and bear it, really. Sure, Um, Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think you've come a long way, Bex, to to be talking about building muscle. Because certainly when uh, we were training those years ago, it was about preventing injury. It, yeah. it was more about stopping you bloody dislocating, yeah, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. and so yeah. ne- so now all of a sudden you're you're uh, you're you're quite a gym fiend actually. I, I see pl- uh, plenty of your stuff on Instagram, and uh, maybe at this point maybe even introduce uh, Jake a little bit about him. But I want to stick with you and and find out a little bit about what you are doing at the gym now.
1: I do I. I don't do a lot of cardio. Mm-hmm. Um, I've concentrated mostly on lifting weights, and I'm aiming to lift higher and higher. I still have to have a lot of things adjusted, and I'm really lucky that the gym that I'm at, my PT, um, if I say I want to do something, he doesn't say, "Oh no, we can't do that. This might happen." He'll say, "Right, let's adjust it." And I'll get an example is. I can't do a full squat because my knees and my hip will dislocate. That's not even a, a given. Yeah. So I, I box squat. I mean, that's just how it is. So yeah. everything is adaptable.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and and everything is adaptable. It's just finding a way and a solution of doing it. Um, and I, I told you previously that, you know, I found out I was anemic not long ago amongst yeah. other things. That yeah. kind of knocked me. So mm. I'm building up my strength again. Yeah. But it's been finding things that I can do and learning how to do them without extending. And you know, we're going to talk about Jake, but he's my biggest support, really, because yeah. he's like, he lifts weights as well, mm-hmm. and he never tells me I can't do anything. The only time he's ever told me to stop is when I've gone back after my recent surgery, and he just said, "You're not lifting that heavy, <laughs> Mum." That's it, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You no,
2: know,
1: he's um he's my biggest support and we do it together we are a team in the gym
0: excellent I really like what you said about focusing and you repeated it about focusing on what you can do
2: Yep.
0: as opposed to oh I can't this I can't that and and that's just such well that's that's a motto that's a something to post really one of those famous (laughs) quotes I I
1: think it's really important I did I mean like I said, it took me a while to grieve the fact that I was sick. Um, however, you at the point when I decided that life had to go on, mm. that was about finding ways of doing, you know, doing things. But it, like you know, there's always something you can do, always. Sure. Um, and finding people to support you is the most important thing, you know, mm. that believe in what you do. I mean, you helped with that in the very beginning, and like I said, down here. Mm. There was never there's never been a question when at the gym about, you know, well, I don't think you should do that. Mm, um, mm. there's always just been an adjustment. so mm, mm. yeah
0: no, you you always did back then have the right mental attitude, not just to blow smoke up your backside, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's half the battle is what I'm trying to say is there's a mindset thing absolutely. of of positivity and and looking at the bigger picture of why they're doing it as opposed to uh, focusing too much on the negative. Now, also when I met you, you were struggling a little bit with your weight, from what I remember.
1: I was, I was. I think I just, I must have been, when I met you, I must have been maybe a year into having a gastric sleeve. That's right, yeah. So it must have been about a year, a year in, so for those who don't know what a gastric sleeve is basically they remove 85 percent of your stomach and create a new one so obviously it creates restriction therefore losing weight Mm. um so i had that done um and that was a huge adjustment of diet and exercise and a whole range of things but since then i'm four years down the line i i've i remember you saying to me, my goal weight was 70 kilos that was my goal weight Mm. And I remember you saying to me, I reckon you can get to 65. And I think at my lowest, I think I got down to about 60.5. And my gastric surgeon actually said, no, you need to put back on some weight. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I think I currently sit – I'm not really focused, to be honest – I sit at about between sixty-two and sixty-four at the moment, and I'm happy with that given that I lift quite heavy weights. But I'm a sort of an eight to ten, so I go on my clothes more than I go on my on the scales now.
0: Well, rightly so. Yeah. In
1: in total, I think I lost about a hundred pounds, and as you know, I've now started the plastic surgery route, so I've had my tummy and my arms done. So to remove a lot of excess skin. Mm-hmm. And in November I'm having my leg lift done, so the same thing. It's just removing a whole lot of skin, mm-hmm. um, and I'm having my boobs done because you know what girl doesn't want boobs back again. So there we are.
2: <laughs> that, that's
1: being done. So my weight, in terms of weight loss, I've hit my goal and I've maintained it now for two years. So
0: okay, let's. Um, oh, this is fascinating. I still want to talk about you, and we may have to do a part two and talk about Jake. All right. <laughs> so Perfect. what led into that gastric sleeve? I know it me- means you casting your mind back, but... Yeah, no, I-
1: I'll answer anything you like. I'm an open book. I, I'd struggled with my weight all my life, mm. up and down, up and down. I'd done everything, to be really honest, from diet pills to speed to all sorts of stuff to lower my weight. Mm. I'd also suffered with bulimia for most of my life, being a gymnast, and then that doesn't go away, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and I had treatment in my late 30s for that.
2: Hmm.
1: And now I do not suffer with that anymore, I can say. But it had been a I could not control um, my weight. My hormones were a bit out of whack. There was a whole range of things that I just couldn't get it under control. So I was very lucky that I said to my family, I can't do this on my own. My sister had had a band. My auntie had had a band. I didn't want a band. I wanted to see what the other options were. Right. So I was lucky enough that my family helped to finance it, because you cannot get it on the NHS, it's impossible, even even now if you're morbidly obese, there's huge loops to go through, mm. so I went and had the, the gastric sleeve done, um, jumped in with a leap of faith, and I'll be really honest and say I never thought that it would work to the degree that it did, I never thought I'd get to this point, it was, right. because I'd been so sceptical about weight loss, I, um, I really never thought I'd hit my goal. Oh, um. Yeah. so to get to kind of four years down the track it's been life-changing in lots of ways mm. um, health-wise hugely it was funny because I had that and then four months later found out about my Ellis Dan loss so you know obviously losing weight has helped with stress on the joints and things like that yeah Um, but just from a lifestyle point of view and it's interesting how people view you after you lose weight, and you know it caused. It was part of a reason for my marriage breakdown. Really, was my weight loss. He couldn't deal with that. So people don't think about stuff like that, you know. But it's common. It's yeah. very, very common. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I have the only health problems I have because of it is I have gastric reflux, which I have for life. Yeah. Um, and things like that. For me, I don't regret it one little bit. It's been the best thing that I ever did. Wow. Yeah, the, the most amazing thing that I ever did. So, if anyone's thinking about it, I would just do it, really.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. However, now, you're at the gym how many times a week, and what is your nutrition, given that you're pushing uh, weights? And how does pushing weights affect, one, your condition, although you have spoken a little bit about that already yeah but how does it affect your your abdominal and 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 that whole area as well and and the digestive system what's going on
1: well my my diet because of jake which we'll get into in a minute i have been a fight mum for so many years now so nutrition for him has been integral and i pretty much followed him and up until this year we followed a really high-fat, high-protein diet with very little carbs. And whatever carbs you had were, you know, decent carbs, sweet potato, mm-hmm. you know, basmati rice, but in very small quantities. Um, so I still follow that. I don't deal very well with my stomach, which is part of my EDS, with carbs. Um, my body doesn't process them very well. So apart from it being a dietary thing, I just don't cope with them very well, so I don't eat a lot of them. Okay. So I eat a lot of meat, a lot of meat, a lot of red meat, a lot of eggs. Um, there are still some days, even with my sleeve, that restriction kicks in where I can't eat a lot, so I have to eat really nutrient or protein-dense food. Um, so, oh. you know, rather than quantity, you know, I, I eat a lot of eggs, a lot of spinach. I love blueberries. They're my mm. addiction. You sure, know, know. J- sure. Jake says they're like my crack, so <laughs> I, I eat that many. Um, which is not to say there are some days where I don't go and eat what I like. And if we're out, I'll eat what I like. I'm not a Nazi like that. Sure. Um, sure. but for my, for me and my body, um, that's how it works. I do, you know, do drink things during my workouts, like BCAAs and things like that. Um, because okay. I find all of that stuff for me helps with muscle repair and f- muscle fatigue and, and stuff like that um, in terms of lifting how does it help with my stomach um, you're talking surgery wise or do you mean internally
0: both yeah let's, let's... yeah
1: well I'm still because of uh, I'm only what am I now uh, 10 weeks out from having my tummy tuck, um, I still have to be mindful about the level of things like when I'm doing leg presses and mm. um, anything like that because internally it's still healing. Box squats, um, I'd
0: imagine, but, as well.
1: Yeah, but um, my stomach is flat. It's absolutely deadpan flat now, which is which is ace. I'm not going to lie <laughs> about that. So <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't, can't wait to do that. But if we go back quickly to nutrition... I am a big advocate of a protein shake purely for me because if I can't eat a whole lot of protein shake is an easy way for me to have a meal without feeling like I'm gonna be sick because that often happens with weight loss surgery, whether you have a band or whether you have a sleeve. that restriction can kick in sometimes and you just if you eat too much you're just sick. Okay. So
2: okay
1: yeah, so that's it. But you know the, the positive thing is they encourage you after weight loss surgery now, To have a high protein, high fat diet, which is everything against what our generation was taught about—you know, eating low fat and everything like that. Sure. However, every diet is so different to everyone, as you know. Everyone's body will, you know, a high fat, high protein diet does not suit some people. A high carb diet suits other people. We've just found that this works, you know, for me.
0: What about um, your vegetables? and I know you mentioned spinach there but you certainly with a high protein or certainly high meat you're you're gonna need good fiber good amount of fiber to push that through or is that kind of restricted because of the the surgery, or, or not, not the surgery, the, the gastric band?
1: I mean, I, I eat a lot of salad stuff, I eat tomatoes, I eat pretty much whatever veggies I like. We eat loads of asparagus, loads of broccoli for a start. Okay. Um, and broccoli's a great source of protein anyway, without yeah. having to have all the meat. Um, lots of greens, loads Good. and loads Good. of greens. Oh, that's um,
0: reassuring. Okay, so yeah, plenty of greens, that's really yeah. reassuring. Supplements. You say you take a few supplements, perhaps some a few branch chain amino acids, that sort of thing. But medication—is it a whole? Oh <laughs> uh, look,
1: it's a it's a minefield with medication as to what works, what doesn't. Um, last year, when I got diagnosed with the fibromyalgia, um, they wanted to put me on what's called pregabalin and another one called amitriptyline, and there's a whole other, basically beta blockers, obviously that assist with pain and things like that. Mm. However. Um, The pregabalin made me extremely ill and I put on a stone in a week Um, and it was horrendous. Um, And the amitriptyline, I I have still to help me when I need to go to sleep because one of the things that you get with um, Ellis danlos syndrome is... Your central nervous system is affected and so your adrenal glands and you run on very high adrenaline so often getting to sleep is impossible some days so and there's no way of stopping that unfortunately it's just you const. that's why it's one of the reasons why you you're so fatigued is because you know you're constantly your adrenaline is running so i take amitriptyline um <coughs> which is like a sedative and an antidepressant all rolled into one very rarely but when i can't sleep I don't take anything else. I might take some light pain relief um, if I'm in a lot of pain. And the only other thing I do take is a is a beta blocker, which does help slightly with my um, adrenaline. And that I have very low blood pressure, unfortunately. So I'm really, really have to be careful about what I take. Right. For me, the drugs that they prescribe, and there's a whole range. The ones that I've mentioned are just a few. The the benefits do not outweigh the horrible that they make you feel so they're not an option for me wow yeah
0: (laughs) my goodness yeah
1: they they they're, they're just they're really for me they're not an option so um i just don't take them i just deal with it in other ways vitamins and bits and pieces like we've talked about before um
2: yeah
1: and in You know, there's things that I know that they're going to trigger, um, and this is one of my things, and I'm really open about. It's my hormones trigger my joint pain for my EDS and my arthritis. So this year I had a Marina coil fitted so that I could regulate everything, and it has made a massive difference for me because my hormonal fluctuations are not as severe. Therefore, they don't cause that horrendous pain every month. Right. So that's it. You know, I, and that's why I'm quite proactive. Been finding other ways of dealing with bits and pieces as an alternative, you so, know. So
0: that's yeah. very honest, very, very honest. You, <laughs> you've opened Well, book. <laughs> I think
1: you have to be. I think the, the thing is, when you have a disability and an illness, there's so much that people don't talk about, and I think sharing information is hugely important. Um, about the positive things that have worked it might not work for somebody, but it might certainly help for somebody else.
0: Okay, I, I'll put uh, in the in the notes. For the podcast uh, uh, the email address of the perhaps a society for your yeah, yeah uh, i'll send
1: you through one
0: yeah please yeah that and hopefully it can help help somebody or yeah. or a relative etc have you tried any natural um approaches instead of traditional medicine alternative medicine um,
1: I haven't – in terms of supplement-wise, it's funny you should say that. I have an osteopath who I go and see, and he's also a homeopathic doctor, um, but he doesn't practice as one. He just practices as an osteopath um, to help keep everything aligned and moving, and, you know, he does the old six needles in me to make sure my energy is flowing well and things like that. Yeah. Um So he actually said, it's funny you should bring this up, he's booked me in to go and see him to be treated as a homeopathic patient to help me boost my immune system and things like that in the next two weeks.
2: Okay, okay. So
1: (laughs) I'm open to trying anything. So other than vitamins, no, I haven't Okay, is the answer. Um, In terms of therapy and stuff, my osteopath is is my life, really. Sure. You know, to keep things aligned. -hmm. And things, but I'm certainly open to trying anything. You know, I have no aversion to it. I'm a big believer in mixing, you know, traditional and non-traditional medicines to find something that works.
0: Sure, sure. Let's talk about uh, Jake, your son. Yes. One of one of two, isn't it? Uh, He is. Yeah,
1: I've got Jake who. Who's uh, 18, nearly 19, and Gabriel, who's still living in Norwich, is he'll be 23 this year. But uh, yeah, Jake is my is my baby, um, mm-hmm. my six foot two, 100 kilo baby,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who you know because we were training together. So
0: exactly, and he was quite young. He, so if he's 19 now, he must have been about 15, 14. Yeah, I think 15. he
1: would have been about 15 then. Yeah,
0: and and you were driving him all over the place. I mean, for one you you asked me to help him with some of his personal training or at least be part of the team behind yeah, him yeah. and you were you were quite very passionate strongly passionate and you weren't letting your disability be, be an obstacle to getting him to training on the east coast no. so how did that start when when well, did he, he, he did have an basically, interest basically oh look he I, he was when we were in
1: australia he was 7 and he'd get the he'd, he'll kill me for this. He'd get the he'd get the rug out on the floor in front of UFC and pretend it was the cage, you know. And are <laughs> uh, you saying at seven, I'm going to fight MMA? And...
0: Okay, just lost you there. So at seven years old, watching the yeah
1: seven years watching UFC a, and in... saying I'm going to be in the UFC, mum. <clears throat> and uh, you just go, yes, darling, of course. You know, yeah. like all your kids, all kids have. You know what they want to do and if you fast forward to moving here basically in australia there was no kids mma or anything like that you could do karate he tried that it was boring him he'd always excelled at sports he would played baseball he'd done a lot of non-standard sports anyway aussie rules football stuff like that moved here he turned 12 and he found a club quite close to us in norwich Mm -hmm. that at that time was kickstop MMA and they produced quite a few really good fighters and he there and as you know Jake's very tall and they thought he was 14. So they let him start training with the men and then they found out he was 12 and they <laughs> said by that stage he'd been training with the men anyway and they said well you might as well stay. he'd never trained a kid's class in his life, ever ever. So, he started training MMA techniques, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, all the basics and stuff. Started doing some interclubs and some, you know, small tournaments and things like that. Mm. Um, I was adamant there was no headshots to happen for a long time, even though he was sparring in training.
0: I remember at, you saying that, but yeah, yeah carry on, yeah.
1: Yeah, at, th- at 13, he did his first cage fight again... It was no groundwork. It was purely standing, no headshots. And I think people think that's a little bit pathetic, but it takes a lot more skill to submit someone than it does to punch him out. So, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time he had to, to work very hard. We then moved to Cromer mm-hmm. and uh, we moved him to a club at Cromer, I should say, fighting fit under John Bazette. Who's still an amazing coach and still a friend? So you cut, um, you
0: cut out a bit there. The, the name of the coach again?
1: Uh, John Mazzetti at Fighting Fit in Cromer. Okay. So yeah. and I think he was there when he was when we were coming to you. That's but right. At that stage, he'd been he got in contact. There was at then his manager Chris Figg, who's an amazing manager here in in London, who deals with a lot of the huge MMA fighters here. Um. And during that time, I mean, obviously, there were some other fights in between. He'd lost some and he won a lot. Um, and he'd made a name for himself as a junior anyway. And he was then asked to train in London under one of the biggest teams down here called Titan. So that became quite epic and an opportunity. So we started to drive from Norwich to London four days a week. And he was still at school at this stage. So it was chaotic, really, training. Coordinating, doing all of that stuff. Um and he'd had a few fights, um and was still training and then as you know, at sixteen he found out he was gonna become a dad. So, <laughs> so that kind of put it didn't slow anything down hugely. Um, but it didn't have him rethink however within that time we made the decision to relocate to London so he could continue with his training so uh, in we moved two years ago we moved to London um, in the October and then the December Christmas Eve Milo his little boy was born
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that was a pretty epic event in his life to become a teenage father so and, and your life too to- no doubt <laughs> and my life I, you know well I, I am I love my grandchild he's my world Um But Jake continued to train, but obviously had a bit of a break, had a massive fight, fight, fought K1 this year rather than MMA in Norwich and just had an epic knockout. Um, But he's at the moment, his dream, I don't know if he wants to do MMA necessarily full-time for a while. Um, He still wants to train and he still wants to fight. He's now training under Kieran Kettle at Double K, which is in Bromley, which is Kieran's, you know, probably the best muay thai k1 coach ever in the country so we've been lucky enough and jake's been lucky enough to be trained by some of the best and have some of the best fighters you know as friends and stuff that will that stuff that passion for it has never gone away um so what he's doing at the moment though we decided this year after to having to diet for six years to fight and maintain a fight what he said mum i just want to have a little bit of a break so he's weightlifting and he's like powerful weightlifting at the moment so his weight is way up above what he normally would be and I get that because you know from the age of 13 to 18 he had to control that weight in that portion so his diet now he eats a, a lot more of a, a bodybuilding diet a lot more carbs mm. all of that sort of stuff so his now focus is he will train he's now working full-time in security and and his goal is to get into the fire brigade, the London Fire Brigade, um, because it's not just him now. He's got Milo to think about, and uh, mm. you know he's but still you know he'll be nineteen this year. He's still really young, yeah, with a two-year-old. Mm. So his passion for the for the flight game is never going to go. He'll always be in there in some capacity, you sure. know. Sure. Um, And he motivates me hugely. His passion and his drive and he's always been one of these kids who put a plan in action and he just does it. And he's excelled at whatever he's done, you know. So for him, you know, he keeps me motivated to keep going um, and to not give in to this stupid illness and things like that um, by having the faith in me, really, that I can do more than I can do at the gym. And I know that sounds really like airy-fairy shit, but that's so how it is. You know, mm. and I look at him that for a young kid, I know there's loads of teenage dads, but he's really stepped up and, you know, become a, a, just a really decent human, really. I mean, he's still a teenager, don't get me wrong. Right. He can still be <laughs> pain in the ass, completely.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: However, 99% <laughs> of the time, he's focused, he's incredibly focused, you know, and that will still remain with his fight training, you know.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Young Jake, now a father and what in the past what would what would have driven him what would have was it just a passion uh yeah now it's changed obviously with milo his son coming along but yeah what what would you say what what would you say motivated him back then
1: i think his motivation was to get to the ufc originally um either you know or one of those big organizations and he was going to do it Mm-hmm. Um, and he knew that he had the skills, you know, and that he, he is a good fighter, right. you know, and it's it's a shame. Some people have said that comes across as arrogance, but, you know, Jake's very quiet, as you know, and quiet, yeah, you yeah.
0: know. Very much. You know,
1: he comes... It, it's not that, but he has a total belief in himself.
0: Mm. You, you have to. That... I think he... So, sorry, I was only going to interrupt. I, I'm not an MMA fighter, but there's certain traits across several sports... Uh, or personality traits, that is, and I would imagine with MMA, you need to have that confidence if you're going to step in a cage.
1: Oh, 100%. <laughs> I think uh, I, I've i been... I'm quite a rarity in the... I was a quite a rarity in sport, in terms of MMA, for being an MMA mum, because more fathers take their children, obviously, to training, whereas... There's me. I've done it from day one. I've been the one who's, you know, controlled every aspect of that. And I think because he knows that I had 100% belief in what he did and that he had the ability that he could just crack on. Like, he didn't have to convince me, you know, or and um, the people who believed in him around him. But he honestly believes that, you know, he's got the skills,
0: while we're here, where we're talking about being an MMA mum, cast your mind back right to the start, up to now. What would you advise to another parent in your position? What would you, what would you suggest to another MMA mum? Um,
1: take no shit. If you
0: think that you know your child, yeah. So we're cutting out there. So you were saying for for an MMA mum, take no shit whatsoever.
1: No, take no shit. It is a very male-dominated sport, obviously. Um, I think the thing is that if you think that someone's going too rough on your child, that you really need to. It's not a question of toughening them the fuck up. That's not it at all. It's like, it's not about beating the crap out of each other. It's about learning skills. So if you think, and I have had many, uh, you know, nose-to-nose arguments with, with other coaches and fighters, that your child is being too roughly treated or the training's too rough, you need to stand up and say something because a proper coach will not do that to your child. We've had incidents with Jake, and we're talking years ago, where a particular fighter took it upon himself to, you know, decide to kick Jake's legs out from underneath him, and Jake was, like, 13 or 14, and that was acceptable to them, um, and I went nuts. So... You, you really have to stand your ground. You have to be quite ballsy to be a mother in this game because unlike other sports like soccer or even like Muay Thai and K1, there's loads of mums, you know, that, that do that. And they're awesome, which is so nice to have them around now. But MMA is still one of those growing sports that women as parents and coaches are few and far between. Mm. Um, you just have to be strong enough to, you know, like I said, stand your ground. Really, your mm. child is your is your child, and they're an asset, really. And any decent coach, worth their money, um, will listen to you as a parent and your concerns. You know,
0: that must be tough. Trying to stand your ground when you've got a coach, perhaps, looking at you as, oh, look, you've got your mum involved. Um, she yeah. does, she doesn't understand. Yeah. She's just yeah, there. and, so I've, and
1: I've, I've had another. I've had a coach say to me one day, "What are you going to do? Protect him until he's 18? And I said, "Yeah, if I have to." When he's eighteen, he can do what he likes, you know. Coaches who didn't agree with me because I wouldn't let Jake do headshots till he was sixteen. I was adamant. That was, and Jake respected that. He didn't even argue with me about that. Why let your tr- be punched in the head before is absolutely necessary, you know. And mm. um, Once he turned 16, I respected Jake enough to know that, you know, he was old enough and skilled enough to deal with that, mm. you know. Um, but it's just about knowing your boundaries like you do with any coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, well, thanks for sharing. It will be nice to speak to Jake and do, do say hello. So finally then this podcast is about everyday fitness and well-being and yep. MMA is a, is a growing sport and certainly a lot of the martial arts so there's going to be other parents like you so that's yep. why I thought it was important to uh, ask that question also we've we've looked at your your life story or just a snapshot of your life story and yep. and and coping with disability and uh, using fitness to improve your health and maintain your health so look there's a lot of advice noise bs out there about (laughs) (laughs) about everyday fitness what what are your thoughts and how if we try and summarize what 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 would you tell the listeners Sort of.
1: oh, my first thing is, age is never a barrier to starting mm-hmm. some sort of fitness.
0: Yeah.
1: Ever. Um, you know, I turned 46 this year and I'm probably the healthiest and in best shape that I've ever been for a long, long time.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, and it's finding something that you like to do, really. Just because, it, you know, Instagram says, you know, you should be doing this, this and this or you should look a certain way. You know, I hate. I will. Well, I can't run anyway because my joints. But you know, running's not for me. You need to find something that you like to do that you enjoy. If you're not going to enjoy it, you're not going to stick at it. That's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. Definitely agree yeah. with that. And uh, and for your well-being, you you, you used uh, for you, you found the gym useful for pain management. Yep. Yeah. And uh, any anything else? Do you bother with any mindfulness? Do you bother with any? I
1: do- really big fan of you know a whole lot of things you know Tony Robbins is obviously the most common one that people know and things like that but I'm a huge fan of sticking the headphones on finding something on YouTube and you know all about positive stuff really Mm -hmm. and I can do that you know when I'm lying at home when I'm in the gym um you know I'm a huge believer in crystals and all sorts of things that people say is airy-fairy. Okay. But, you know, it's not stuff that I would advertise because people say, well, you're pretty blunt. How can you believe in that stuff as well? But in terms of mindfulness, absolutely. You know, meditation, um, and it's not just about sitting there and doing the OM thing. Just grab your headphones. YouTube is one of the best things that you can find anything you like on. Stick your headphones in and listen. You know, you don't have to do you know the really hardcore stuff it can it doesn't it can be simplified you know what I mean yeah. I think we yeah so D- for me you have to keep I have to keep
0: positive you know? yeah 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 I definitely agree with the uh making whatever activity useful for your own uh mindfulness or mental health whether it's walking people walk the dog and I, i've mentioned this in other podcasts as well you know the runners high so for some runners yeah i can see yeah. that i've done that myself and yet yeah. it can be uh as as simple as as um standing and washing the dishes or or doing some other <laughs> <That is> exactly <laughs> <type>. right <laughs> okay listen bex do you want people to contact you if they've got any questions yeah or-
1: Absolutely. I'll um I'll send you through my, my email and yeah. anyone can contact me about anything. I, I'm pretty open about most things um in to do with my health and my condition and things like that. Um anything from you know and you know, things about being obviously the parent to a teen parent, that comes up quite a lot. Mm. Um and how we dealt with that. I have no issues. So yeah, I'll forward that through and you're more than welcome to um to, to pass that on
0: sure sure and and they can get in contact with you via um instagram i presume as well
1: yeah absolutely you you well you know my instagram so you can stick that up on and you can see pretty much my life on instagram as you know So it's all there
0: fair play excellent lovely to speak to you i'm going to just pause here take care then
1: thank you for having me i appreciate
0: it bye bye and there we have it quite a life story all crammed into 45 minutes I mentioned a few links which you'll find on the show notes and on my website, seannewton.co.uk. And of course, if you want to contact Bex about anything from support with EDS, about being a mother of a teenage parent, uh, weight loss or plastic surgery, then catch her on Instagram at whosyourglamour, that's one word, or whosyourglamour at hotmail.com. Who's Your Glamour is W-H-O-S-Y-O-U-R-G-L-A-M-M-A. As ever, thanks for listening and watch out for the YouTube uploads of the podcast series coming up. Plus new mini fitness shorts, kind of small five, ten minute uh, podcast episodes that uh, some people have requested. As ever, thanks again. Cheers.